Hi, everybody, and welcome to uh, this week's version of the Fireside Chat Series. We're excited to have you here. Uh, I'm Andrew Daniel, Senior Investment Banker here at Digital Capital Advisors. For those of you that don't know, Digital Capital Advisors is a global technology-focused investment bank with offices in New York, New York Berlin, and San Francisco. Uh, we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary actually next month in September, uh, and this is uh, a part of that celebration. We're very excited here at DCA to, to get to that 10-year milestone. Uh, this series, uh, for those of you who haven't listened in today, uh, features world-class founders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs from companies that we really like and industries that we find compelling. Uh, today, we are lucky Lucky to have the co-founder and CEO of a business called BlueShift, a uh, customer data platform. DJ, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Thanks, Andrew. Excited to be here. Terrific. Well, why don't we start by giving everybody an over, uh, kind of an overview of BlueShift and what you guys do. Maybe you could tell the story a little bit and the evolution and how you've gotten to where you are today. And certainly would love to hear about some of the product and capabilities that you guys have. Yeah, no, I think that's a great start. So, uh, you know, BlueShift is a customer data platform, as you mentioned, but specifically what we do in the customer data platform world is act sort of as a smart hub for all your marketing and customer experience orchestration. And the way that works is that, you know, brands who work with us, uh, consumer brands are using BlueShift to centralize all of their data, but more importantly, derive a lot of AI-based insights on their customers. And finally, to close that last mile, they're able to act on those insights in real time. So for example, if it's a personal finance company, they detect based on the data that you are you know, somebody who has a high propensity for mortgage or credit card or whatever that might be. They're able to immediately, you know, in the, mar in the marketing world, add you into a paid media audience, trigger emails, maybe send you a piece of direct mail, maybe initiate like a conversational message through a chat application maybe push data into a CRM to start, you know, informing relationship managers or salespeople that, you know, here's sort of the right message and the offer for, for Andrew. And as that happens, um, you know, it starts becoming sort of a very intelligent hub for all decision making. And, and the reason sort of we got there is if you think about it, I mean, today's world, you and I are also consumers of many, many brands. And if you just look at our own behavior, we are, you know, interacting with these brands and leaving behind so much data because we are always on, right? And this is sort of first party data that we are directly leaving with the brand with consent and through engagement. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, like the amount of that data has grown literally thousand X in the last sure. 10 odd years, right? And on the other hand, I mean, if you think about our experience with brands, I mean, we are connecting with these brands and more and more touch points and more and more, uh, you know, customer experience uh, application or customer experience touch points that we are, we are connecting with them on, right? And every brand is now sort of looking at that and struggling with it to say, how do I make sense of all my data on all my customer experience touch points, right? Because that's, you know, in the, in the old days, you could just say, well, I have this email thing, which is all about batch and blast, and I yeah. just need to have like an email list and I could, that's all the data I need for email. And then I have like, you know, maybe a different part of the experience which happens, you know, in store and I just have like a, you know, sort of a list, you know, against that. And there was very little data 10 or 15 years back and, you know, there were very few interaction touch points and there was no need to really um, start intelligently orchestrating them. But I think that world has changed now because of, uh, because of customers like us, right, and how right. we have kind of changed. And because of that change, I think every brand needs to start figuring out sort of like how do I take, you know, so much data, make smart decisions and be consistent and intelligent at every touch point with a customer. Sure. And as that shift has happened, I think, uh, you know, you know, in my own background, I've seen that shift kind of play out. So if I look at uh, my co-founders and I, you asked about sort of the backstory of the company. So I think before starting Blue Shift, uh, you know, uh, my co-founders and I, we had spent uh, eight years kind of working together in other capacities, right? And then uh, really two of those, you know, uh, experiences really stand out. One of them was sort of building a company that eventually got acquired by Groupon and became Groupon Goods, which became a pretty massive uh, consumer uh, business for Groupon. And prior to that, we were part of an AI company which uh, called Cosmics, which got acquired by Walmart and became Walmart Labs, really powering sort of a lot of intelligent interactions for, for Walmart. But even at those places, when we saw sort of the state of the art and we started seeing like what the legacy tech stack is doing for marketers and for customer experience professionals who want to sort of start acting with high agility and be able to 
react in near real time and be able to craft like uh, experiences that they can distribute quickly uh, in our you know in our experience we found that you know most marketers and customer professionals they are not short of ideas they are short of like uh, you know uh, a system or a platform which can enable them to act with high agility on those ideas sure. and be able to measure distribute uh, you know orchestrate that entire experience and uh, that's sort of what led us to found blue shift i think uh, obviously in our background we've seen the world of marketing we've been marketers ourselves but we've also been like kind of you know uh, as part of a broader team we've also been doing ai and machine learning from way before it was fashionable so uh, so in some ways like i think that combination of like saying how do you use um you know machine powered intelligence to deliver human uh, feeling experiences uh, you know we we sort of had that thought when we founded the company and uh, you know that idea of like how do you act as that smart sort of hub which orchestrates all these intelligent experiences uh, sort of was the core of how we thought about it and i think that opportunity has only become more relevant over time with you know as we see today's brands they are launching more and more uh, customer facing applications uh, be it new channels like chatbots or old channels which are becoming programmatic or people addressable like an addressable tv uh, so as that sort of explosion kind of happens on the customer experience world where you sort of start having more and more touch points and you start have more and more data in some ways like the original thesis of blue shift that you can use uh data to make intelligent decisions and distribute on all these different touch points um has only become more meaningful uh if you will yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that people struggle with and this is true for bankers this is true for investors and acquirers right. and certainly customers is as they look out into the cdp landscape there are so many providers right and i think we know that if you look at the stack of providers the lower half is in general pretty bad right i mean there's just a lot of junk that exists there but even in the upper half sometimes the differentiation is relatively nuanced and so i'd be curious as you guys think about blue shift relative really to the upper half of the competitive ecosystem or landscape, if you will, how do you think about the key differentiators and some of the USPs that BlueShift has where others might not? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question and a good articulation of the landscape. Um, and I think that's why this notion of a smart hub CDP, which I think uh, initially was coined by Gartner, but very apt, I think, is somewhat self-descriptive in figuring out sort of like what are the components of what you need to achieve and also where the differentiation lies. So if I think about the three pieces of Smart Hub CDP, the CDP part at a high level describes just the data and identity uh, resolution capabilities, right? So the, the idea is like uh, that, you know, you need to be able to resolve multiple types of identities. You need to be able to bring data from multiple source systems where, you know, maybe a transaction might have originated or a behavior might have happened on a website or, a, you know, or a call might have been recorded in a call center or whatever that might be. And all these source systems are recording some data and they're recording in multiple different formats. How do you unify all of that? That's sort of the CDP part of it. But if you think about smart part of it, that's really about the AI powered intelligence, right? You start saying, okay, now I have all this data. Uh, if I gave it to a data scientist, if it takes them, you know, a ton of time to just actually start normalizing data, extracting features, building models and each model takes like months to kind of build productionize all of that stuff how can i bring a lot more agility because i have this data unified index kind of format right. and that agility is really about being able to build and deploy many kinds of like an intelligence and at a high level i would describe that as like the who what when and where of uh, marketing or customer experience right yeah. who should you if you have an offer or a piece of content or a product or or something that you want to communicate to a customer who should you be communicating to? And that could be a one-to-one -one decision based on, you know, action of the customer. What should you be saying to them? Like what content, what uh, product, what offer should you be merchandising? And obviously the when and the where is really about all the different applications where you could reach that customer. Should that be a paid media application? Should that be a, you know, call center application? Should that be a CRM? or whatever that might be. So, so really, I think the smart part is about the AI and the capabilities about that, which is uh, you know, the who, what, when, and where. And then finally, the hub part, I think, uh, so we talked about the CDP, the profile unification, the AI, but then the hub part is really about saying, it's great to have all the insights, but it, all of that is meaningless unless I can act on it in real time, unless I can make smart decisions which connect to all these different applications, and I can, orchestrate between those and I can make uh, different decisions for different domains. Like I can understand how a CRM system or a sales 
interaction behaves versus like a email or a you know uh, direct mail or IVR or addressable TV or SMS or whatever that might be, right? So if I think about that, I think that is a good way to kind of ground uh, you know your thinking of the landscape, right? I think that's a good framework. And I think specifically within that, I think obviously there are you know CDPs who are very focused on just being a data infrastructure. I think and and maybe they don't even fall into the CDP smart hub CDP nomenclature at all, right? So there are companies who are focused on sort of uh, the solving some problems for IT around ETL and sort of like, you know, uh, getting data into a data warehouse. Right. And, uh, you know, there are some presumably good companies in that space, but uh, that they probably do not fall into the CDP Smart Hub bucket at all. But I think even among the contenders who sort of fall into this uh, Smart Hub CDP bucket, uh, when you look at most of them, I think many of them arguably have started with saying, you know, how do I unified data and actually just get multiple data sources into one place and maybe there's some identity work that has been done which which is good so i think there again i think arguably i would say we we have a lot of differentiation there but i think I would, at the same time i'd also could see that many many players have kind of started building data aggregation capabilities if you will uh but i think where the differentiation really comes in is the smart and the hub right and I think the ai and the real-time decisioning right um, and I think those are, you know, so critical to all these brands today to deliver the right experience. And when you think about that, I think uh, on the smart part, which is the AI part, you know, I think arguably, I, you know, again, I, I have, I might not have fully surveyed the landscape, but as far as I know, I think we are Blue Shook is the only company in the space with like patented AI technology, right? And obviously, a team that has been, you know, doing AI ML for for a long, long time. Sure. And if you look at the usage. Uh, among customers, you know, uh, you know, all of them are using that AI in a very deep, meaningful manner, right? So they are, you know, whether it's that personal finance company figuring out sort of like mortgage propensity and the right, you know, credit offer recommendations, or if it's a streaming services, uh, you know, like a company online which is trying to figure out which show to merchandise or which episode, and how do I get all of that in front of you and doing that at scale, uh, or a healthcare company trying to figure out how do I optimize my member experience for, you know, uh, for recommending the right service. All of those are pretty deep, meaningful uh, uses of AI. And that's where I think even early on, like even, uh, you know, a couple of years back, I remember, you know, when Gartner was starting to think about AI and marketing as a category, I think they were, you know, one of the first names that they put in that list was kind of Blue Chef, right? And and that has been good validation as well. Uh, so that's the smart part, which is a huge piece of differentiation. But then I think the hub part, which is really saying, you know, how do I make connected decisions? I think that's another huge area where I think think like many, many CDPs fall short, right? And I think uh, many of them have maybe built integration in the connectors, but really when you think about Hub, you really want to make that decisioning. You want to make that decisioning at scale. You want to be able to make it in real time. You want to be able to orchestrate all of that and sequence it and create sort of a journey, right? And in some ways, like what we are setting out to build is sort of what I call a self-driving kind of customer journey, right? So I think really that notion and the power of the real-time decisioning is, is a huge differentiation. So if I look at the Smart Hub CDP case, I think, Obviously, some companies don't even fall in that bucket, like they're too focused on maybe a CDI, data infrastructure piece, but the ones who do fall in that space, maybe many of them have just done the CDP part to some extent, and Smart in the Hub part are, you know, obviously, you know, uh, lacking to a large extent uh, in the market, and that's where we sort of uh, fill in the gap and our customers sort of find a lot of value. And finally, I think to close the loop, you might start saying, is it all really valuable to a customer to do all this, or should they just stick with data unification, right? And I think we, for that, uh, reason we actually asked uh, Forrester to go study sort of the impact of this uh, on customers' businesses, right? So we asked them and say, you know, here, here are a bunch of our customers, go talk to them and like obviously independently sort of like uh, come up with sort of your analysis on like uh, how all this is working out. And, uh, you know, I think when Forrester sort of came back and published that report, it's like a pretty detailed 30 page report, but the, you know, summary of it is that this approach, the smart hub sort of uh, data activation, intelligent decisioning approach leads to a 781% ROI. Oh, wow. uh, right. And that's truly off the charts. I mean, I'll take, um, you know, and when I share that with uh, marketers or when, you know, brands sort of look at it, I mean, obviously our customers say, of course, I mean, that's true. And we yeah. recently had the CEO of one of our customers on our virtual conference and he was talking about how it drove a 40x growth for them. Like, and he took a moment to emphasize it's not 4x, it's actually 40x. Uh, so I think our customers obviously know, but a lot of the market suddenly looks at that and says, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then they start asking, so what drives that ROI, right? And like, how are you able to get 781%? Like, what is that 
it? Is it just a made up number? Or what is the, what are the what are the components of it? And again, I think the Forrester report is actually very nice in that respect, where they break it down and they break it down. I think the three components for them are really number one is the AI power targeting. Uh, real-time interactions and cross-channel uh, scale, right? So if you think about that, the AI, real-time decisioning and cross-channel scale, it really goes back to that thesis of the smart hub uh, sort of positioning and where you're acting as sort of that centralized decisioning hub for all of marketing and then increasingly for even non-marketing sort of customer experience applications. Um, so that's sort of how I would paint the landscape and our approach and why that approach matters to uh to sort of uh, every brand out there <laughs> absolutely and i think what i'll echo is this you know if we think about the landscape and ultimately the evolution of cdp yeah. is that you know where did cdps come from right often from tag managers from dmps from all these different places where cdp right. buzzword is you had players kind of evolve into a cdp and i think as we look at the landscape and i mentioned that top half and bottom half particularly if you're in the bottom half, you have a lot of players who have arrived from something else and they're thinking a lot about the infrastructure, right? They want to be the pipes, if you will, to bring in the source site into a similar spot. And, you know, as we think about the upper half of the market today, we look at that and say relatively commoditized, right? I mean, yes, there are some players, maybe a segment or others who are leading the front or have historically been around for a long time and integrating particularly complex source data. But for the most part, that integration step is commoditized and not terribly differentiated, where you begin to get differentiation in aggregate, not just for blue shift, but in, in kind of the landscape itself, particularly true in the upper half of the market, is around the layering of intelligence, right? Once you have a singular spot where you have all your data in a, in a single place, then it's about, you know, where do you derive actionable insight out of that data set? And there's been a lot of capability, I think, of players like Blue Shift and others to come up with really creative ways to leverage either AIML or leverage other kinds of insight generation to say, well, right. you know that uh, VJ likes emails to come to him on Thursday and has a higher propensity if you put the color X on, right? And we understand characteristics, right. we understand personalities, and we're really doing something far more complex than just integrating the data. And then I think, much like you just said, what happens then from a differentiation perspective is a lot of that gets stuck. It's difficult to link those actual insights to execution, even if they are actionable, right. if they're done in real time. And so there's very few players, and you guys are this front of, can we link this real-time actionable insight, knowing that actual insight is differentiated on its own, to an actual execution hub or distribution channel? Right. And then I think where it gets even more difficult is how do you then take that execution piece? You know that it went out and sent an email to, to VJ. You know, what did he do with that? Yeah. Look at it. Did he not look at it? Did he go purchase something? Was there an attribution component? But how do you take that data and then feed it back into the CDP, which in our eyes builds that cycle that ultimately is the hub of iteration and optimization so we can improve the ability to personally target somebody. And in the landscape, you know, if you start trying to bring that cycle together, you know, of course, Gartner right. is a hub, and you guys are a hard hub, but if you start really trying to get down to who can do this today because you believe in the value, and clearly you guys have demonstrated it, it becomes a very short list very quickly, and you end up with an ecosystem, I think, broadly, that really is fundamentally challenged and for customers is challenged because they don't understand the nuances between the different platforms and sometimes get lost in this idea of, well, they're aggregating all our data and that sounds exciting without linking that directly to ROI. And I think in our eyes, we'll talk about COVID-19 effects in a little bit, but COVID-19 is forcing marketers to do a few things that'll have really profound effects on the landscape. You know, one is they're going to go out and look at their dollars that they're spending on software licenses out of marketing and say, you know, is right. there a ROI for the dollars that we're spending? And the reality is that in the bottom half of the market where you have four providers, the answer is probably no, right? Or certainly a limited ROI. Two, it's going to force people to ultimately leave platforms and release customers into the environment, which gives right. the market an opportunity to go acquire those customers. And I think finally, it's really bringing awareness that the marketer is going to want to understand a rapidly changing consumer, which again, we'll talk about in a second. But the consumer is changing fundamentally. Enterprise wants to understand that. And yeah, a very interesting way to get closer to personalization um, and really a fully attributed MarTech stack, which is kind of the holy grail. Um, and so for me, that level of interest from the consumption side is going to come in quite strong from the enterprise.
No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think you, it's funny that you use the words uh, data gets stuck. Uh, and I think that resonates a lot with me. And if I, you know, I like to uh, joke a little bit that, uh, you know, I think obviously the name Blue Shift, uh, the real reason we came up with the name was, uh, you know, uh, in Doppler effect, obviously when things are moving closer to you, uh, you know, it's, it's shifting towards a, you know, blue end of the spectrum. And, uh, you know, for us, the idea resonated that, you know, bringing brands sort of closer to customers and, and that's, you know, the real reason for the name Blue Shift. But as it relates to sort of the point you were making, I think uh, I like to joke about how, like, there, there's also a, a Redshift, which just, you know, incidentally happens to be a data warehouse, right? And uh, if you think about sort of Blue Shift sort of being this company that sort of like really puts your data to work and like a data warehouse being a place where you data goes to sleep. You know, I sort of talk about how like, uh, you know, Redshift is where data goes to sleep and customer data goes to sleep and Blue Shift is where customer data goes to work. And I think that distinction is um, interesting. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Redshift is a great database, a data warehouse and nothing against it. But I think they, you know, what brands are increasingly realizing is that they need, they start needing an engine which really puts your customer data to work, uh, provides high agility of the data, not just the high fidelity that you get in a data warehouse where you have data completeness, but if you want to start using that data for data, you know, for a, uh, for a customer experience that takes, you know, weeks or months to kind of deliver that. And obviously even the first, um, you know, batch of CDPs, as you call them, like we're all trying to be, you know, maybe a warehouse plus plus, right, of sorts, and maybe some of them went slightly beyond that. But I think where many, many CDPs are still struggling is like, uh, you know, they are not really bringing that data agility to the forward edge of the marketing and customer experience world. And, uh, you know, consumers like us want sort of those intelligent real-time experiences and obviously to deliver that i think the marketing professionals cs professionals just need to be able to act on data with like high agility and be able to orchestrate all these experiences and i think that's where i think there's a lot of struggle there's a lot of pain uh and that's sort of the reason why we are building our solution the way uh the way we are building it focusing a lot more on that smart and the hub uh, in addition to the cdp absolutely i think that's a very natural segue into you know what is the state of cdp in the martech stack today right as you look at the martech stack and how cdp are actually yeah. utilized, we all know we want to get to the martech stack 2.0 which we'll talk about in a little bit, right but we're certainly not there today and, and i think we're at a variety of iterations against that martech stack 2.0 right you know, in our eyes, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, as you think about large enterprises that are living with some of the large MarTech players, and you can name who you'd like, but in Oracle and Adobe and Salesforce, et cetera, you know, those players have done a good job in buying lots of solutions and looking at the right. thousand providers in MarTech and saying, I can own a decent combination of these. The challenge being that when you start stacking all those things together, the analogy I kind of <laughs> use, pass it across the way to large enterprise, you know, they yeah. look at it and go, doesn't feel terribly efficient. The ROI doesn't feel all that strong, but you know, we're a big enterprise. I guess we'll do the lift and they integrate it and they bring it in, but they realize right. there's no interconnectivity, right? All those solutions are piled together. There's no way to interconnect them. And you know, a large enterprise kind of has to live with that just given the complexity of what they have and, and they're okay yeah. for the most part. But when Adobe and Oracle and Salesforce and whoever figured out that they kind of ran out of large enterprise clients to go acquire, right? The, the growth was certainly yeah. slow. They take that same pile of stuff to a middle market client and middle market enterprise and pass it across the <coughs> yeah laugh out of the room right you know way we're not going to touch that we're looking for strong ROI we're not going to wait a year to try to integrate like no way and I think CDPs was a way for them to try to address that problem with the hope that if they built something on their own or acquired something of their own they could link those solutions together a little bit better and I think we saw them do that right I mean all of them kind of built purchase their own and unfortunately I think as you're talking about the agility of data and why there's a segue here yes they built some kind of pipes but it was really a data warehouse right and it didn't turn to the sense of we have ability now to optimize our entire suite of solutions instead it's just a thing that you can go check on what's going on and and get to a point where you can see the data maybe there's some attractive looking charts but there's no way this thing and back to my original question because I think about that MarTech landscape today and where CDPs are fitting in I think for the most part, CDPs aren't utilized to the extent they could be utilized. That is, they become a place where I can A, consolidate my customer data, maybe drive some soft personalization, some soft targeting capability, but not really to the max uh, of what's perhaps possible with the CDP that they're leveraging. Um, There's a lot of lack of data agility that exists. And I think that has a very profound effect in an environment where 
customers want to be increasingly targeted against, increasingly personalized towards. And so, yeah, I'd be curious how you think about kind of the, the MarTech ecosystem and how CDPs are yeah. being utilized today. Yeah, no, I think uh, before uh, I directly answer that, let me just step back and share some context as to why things yeah. need to change, right? I think, and I think you captured some of that, but I think really if I think about sort of, you know, it's always good to look at kind of extremes. So if I look at like 40 years ago and compare that to now, I think that's obviously a pretty stark picture. But if you think about sort of like 30, 40 years ago, like marketing was kind of on the billboard, right? And maybe on TV, right? And uh, and uh, the customer experience was kind of in the bank branch or the store or the call center. So the customer, you could, you know, there was nothing about the customer on the billboard. There was nothing about the individual customer on the TV ad and so on. And really the role of marketing was to drive the customer into the experience, right? So it was kind of like saying, start with the brand message, uh, tell the customer, go get that experience, right? And and where you get that experience could be in, in all these different places. And I think, uh, you know, then come 20 years ago and like you, you sort of start saying that some wave of digital kind of starting to happen, right? So then the billboard becomes like an email or a banner ad. And then the experience maybe still is in the bank branch and, you know, store, but it's also in like a website or a app or whatever that might be. But I think the first wave of that digital was still about driving, you know, uh, the customer to the experience, right? So it was kind of saying, here's a message. And then, you know, I'll basically, you know, slap a billboard onto an email, right? So essentially kind of like a batch and blast yeah. email all word saying, I, I just take, took like the message I would have put on a banner, on a billboard or a banner ad and like, and, and I just sort of put that in an email or display ad and sort of push it out to you, right? And, and that, you know, that paradigm was all about saying, how do I, you know, push customers from, you know, into sort of trying out the experience or whatever that might be. And as you think about that paradigm, really the software systems that were built were very channel centric. They really had to be able to, be very good at like slapping billboards onto an email or slapping a billboard onto a banner ad and whatever that might be. And like, really they were very, there was a lot of focus on the channel and um, you know, there was uh, very little focus on the customer. Right. And, uh, and I think, uh, and that made sense. I mean, at that time, you know, there was very little as we said, customer data and all that. But today I think as I talk to most CMOs out there, when I talk to them, the experiences they want to create or the kind of marketing they want to create, is experience first, right? They would, so they want to say, well, Daniel Interactive is my brand in certain ways. If it's a personal finance company or a bank, they are trying to say, what would my relationship manager have said to you? And convert that into a data-driven nugget of experience and deliver that through a marketing channel, right? So the channel is kind of like an afterthought and not sort of like the starting point, right? It wasn't like saying start from billboard and wherever, end up wherever, but really now it's really saying, how do I, figure out the kernel of that experience, which could be, uh, you know, recommendation of a offer or content or product personalized to you. It could be uh, a trigger moment where it says, okay, Daniel showed interest in these categories and something new has happened in those new products have gotten introduced, something has changed and I need to like now deliver that aha back to him and that that'll be seen by Daniel's experience. And it just so happens that I'm delivering that through an email or, or a push notification on mobile or an SMS or a direct mail or an ad or an IVR or, or whatever that might be. But the channel is like uh, now kind of secondary, right? In some ways, like it starts with that data change and the kernel. So if that big shift has happened for CMOs, they're saying like, instead of my role being to take the customer, uh, you know, uh, to tell the customer to go to the experience or bring the customer to the experience, that was the old paradigm. And maybe that exists to some extent today, but I think today focus 80% of it is really saying, how do I take the experience to the customer, right? And, and, and use all these channels as distribution touch points. And if you think about that paradigm, you have to really understand the customer first. You have to really figure out what those next best actions or offers are for the customer. You have to figure out what those trigger moments are when you need to communicate with them. You have to figure out what channels they want to be engaged on because, uh, you know, again, it's like a customer-centric paradigm. Wow. And then once you have all that, you've got to start saying, okay, now, you know, whatever channel, let's just execute on that, right? And as that paradigm shift happens, I think you mentioned, obviously, the marketing clouds, and a lot of them were built on, obviously, acquisitions of uh, channel-first kind of companies, right? And they were not built on kind of the experience-first or the data-first uh, kind of companies. And so they are, I think, all these companies have a lot of interesting applications. Maybe they're marketing marketing automation application, maybe it's a DMP and all of that, but really there's a hollow kind of core, right? So really, I think if you think about the 
center of their circle. They just don't have any place to go with high high agility to go grab what's the uh, uh, right next best action for their customer to figure out when to engage what's the right you know trigger moment for their customer when to you know what to save should I even you know show an ad to the customer all of that and I think almost the paradigm is we shift flip and instead of these applications trying to find where to like, go get the data like the uh, because you want to start being customer experience first, you've got to have like the customer experience uh, core or the decisioning core where you can start bringing the data, but make those AI-based decisions and then distribute it to any application, right? So that application could actually be, you know, one of the marketing cloud applications, which could be a, which could be maybe handling email for all for us doing. Maybe those applications do a good job of handling email, right? Or maybe it's an application that sort of like, uh, you know, figures out paid media audiences, or it's an application that sort of like uh, figures out, you know, um, you know, in some ways, uh, multi-touch attribution, whatever that might be, uh, or it could be even a, something outside of marketing. It could be a you know DXP application. It could be a you know uh, help desk application, which is really trying to figure out like how do I proactively prevent kind of churn, right? So, but I think really it's in that evolution. I mean, for good reason. I think like the marketing clouds have been built with sort of the channel first or you know the delivery first kind of uh, mentality right so they, they just said i just need to deliver the message and you know um, you know obviously way back in marketing people used to say the medium is the message and you know and i think now it's coming to a point where the message is a message and you really want to kind of figure out what is the what's the customer core and you know obviously the medium is still important uh, but i think the the you know uh, cmo is starting to realize there's a big paradigm shift and when they evaluate sort of uh, you know the marketing clouds against that paradigm shift, they see this hollow core, and the, and I think the marketing clouds are starting to maybe trying to address that, saying, well, we'll kind of fill it in through integration or whatnot. But integrations, data plumbing, that's doesn't quite cut it. You really have to have the paradigm where it starts with that customer decisioning first, right, and then the afterthought of like the delivery applications uh, later. And and that paradigm shift has happened over some time and kind of uh, caught maybe the legacy players sort of uh, uh, on the wrong they are sort of in the wrong position for for that shift. And obviously, like you mentioned, I mean that is playing out much more easily in the mid market because a lot of mid market customers are starting to say, well, I I can make the decision from scratch. I'm not sort of embedded in legacy at all. Uh, but I think it's coming to the enterprise as well, where enterprise companies are saying, look, uh, enterprise brands are saying, look, uh, you know, I have all these legacy applications. I'm missing the core. I would love to make shift the paradigm where it's the uh, you know the smart hub first, decisioning first, and then. Uh, sort of the delivery as an afterthought, right? And uh, I think that's the real opportunity for this space, right? And that's why I think specifically that approach of the smart hub CDP makes sense. Because you obviously have to, if you just did data integration and if you just did like data plumbing and you routed raw data everywhere, that still doesn't quite cut it, right? You'd be able to be in a position where the core has to be able to distribute an experience out to this last mile application. And only sort of a smart hub CDP can do that. And I think as, as that happens, I think then the smart hub CDP sort of becomes the centerpiece of that MarTech stack. And anything that's the centerpiece of that MarTech stack and maybe even a broader CX stack is very, very interesting and valuable to customers because that's what drives the ROI. I mean, no wonder why, you know, the Forrester study found sort of like that approach sort of drives that ROI because that's kind of what our customers are already doing and obviously our customers are at the cutting edge of uh, you know leading edge of this wave uh, but our belief is that the whole uh, you know industry every brand will start wanting to have that smart hub at the core of their uh, you know martech stack and uh, increasingly also at the center of their cx stack yeah yeah agree more and i think you know as we think about martech stack 2.0 maybe we can talk about that a little bit and what that next yeah. looks like I think it is really that adoption, as you're talking about now, of a smart hub at the center. And that smart hub is likely going to be something that feels a whole lot like a CDP. Now, whether or not it's labeled a CDP, right. time, who knows, but it's going to feel a lot like that in the sense that not only can it pull in all of the, the source data that's necessary in an increasingly complex environment, not only yeah. can it bring that into a single aggregated place, but it will also introduce, in our eyes, additional data sets. So identity becomes really important. Understanding devices. That's exactly right. Understanding the history of behavior in a more complex way than just integrating the data that you have as a, an enterprise. Um, and then it's going to do a lot more, I think, what we see today. There's a lot of room for growth with regards yeah. to the level of insight and granularity of targeting preferences and information about somebody and everything else, where 
there is a very, very deep uh, knowledge that is being created about each individual customer that gives us then a base to go build execution off of. But for us, you know, we're still a while away. I mean, the technology is approaching that point where you get right. to or whatever it is to be powerful enough. But that actual stack doesn't exist today. And, and so for us, as we think about that, you can then take that actionable insight and go execute it, not only in a MarTech setting, but in an ad tech setting, in a customer service setting, in an everything you could possibly imagine. That's right. Where you really have this engine that sits at the center of everything the enterprise is going to do, as you're saying, at the core. And unfortunately today, that doesn't exist, right? That combination of assets doesn't exist today. I think one of the things that we think about it as a bank is how do you get there, right? And, and is it a key right. You start with an execution hub, so you'd have somebody who's in maybe marketing automation or whoever else, and they're doing a lot of execution work today, and then you introduce this CDP to that, and that's difficult for its own set of reasons, maybe the integration risk. Right. You go the other way, maybe we start with a superpowered CDP, and then start buying the other components that might complete the outside of that circle. Um, do you go a totally different way and try to buy a piece of that circle and then introduce a CDP? So there's lots of different ways to get there, but that's where we think we're headed, and that's what I think that Martech stack 2.0 looks like. And you know that becomes a very dangerous entrant relative to the legacy Martech guys, to some of the the pure play CDPs today. Right. Um, and one that I think is very powerful. But as you're pointing out, you know it all comes down to a how much information can we capture from somebody. And I think, on a daily basis, the amount of data points. Is increasing, right? Yeah. To understand in a non-party cookie world, there's a lot of interesting things to be done with identity, uh, transactional data, etc. I just had uh, yeah. you know, on here the other day, and they were talking about partnering with Visa and Mastercard to bring in in the data from the transactional perspective. But then ultimately, if you can really understand that consumer, you know, your targeting and personalization capabilities, where everybody wants to get to, is fundamentally unlimited. And then if you can do a great job of building that linkage between everything, which I think is where a lot of folks struggle today, excellent. Yeah. you have a real advantage as that MarTech stack 2.0. But we'd be curious how you see that MarTech stack 2.0 and, and where do CDPs fit in against it? I imagine it's similar, but we'd be curious. Yeah, no, I think I think you're uh, spot on. I think like uh, you know there is going to be a Martech stack 2.0, and maybe there's also going to be a broader customer experience stack uh, experience stack 2.0 in some sense, right? And and I think uh, you know uh, because of how consumers have changed, and because of how brands are starting to say, I want to start from sort of that uh, data decisioning first, right? And 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 sort of treat. Uh, you know, the delivery is sort of like, a, you know, not quite an afterthought. I mean, obviously it has to be integrated, but, you know, it, it doesn't start with the delivery first, right? It doesn't start with saying, you know, I'm just creating sort of like, a, you know, uh, an email program. I think that's just not the you know, world where most, most companies are right now. So as a paradigm sort of shifts, I think it, it'll have like some implications for maybe uh, the center of the, you know, the MarTech stack and the CX stack. And I think you know, companies will start realizing, look, I need to have this central decisioning, you know, at the, at the center of this uh, stack. I need to then be able to plug in all applications. Obviously, decisioning is good only if you're able to plug in all these different applications into that decision. Sure. And those applications include, I think uh, you mentioned marketing automation. I think that typically covers like a email, mobile push, SMS, uh, maybe website and so on. So maybe, the, you know, A-B testing. So th those applications have got to be connected. You mentioned ad tech, paid media, so you definitely have got to connect like addressable TV, uh, custom audiences, um, you know, multi-touch attribution applications, all of that into this score. So that completes maybe the MarTech picture. And then you start saying, well, if I'm doing all this, like, why am I not taking that extensive view of the customer? Because marketing's view of the customer starts from, you know, much more expansive than like a sales view or a help desk view, right? Because... Uh, when I call as a help desk, I can't just be an anonymous customer. I had to be like a known <laughs> paying customer in some ways, right? But I think like in marketing, I could just be browsing on the website and marketing is sort of interested in targeting me. So I think marketing has a very broad view of the customer and marketing is trying to make a broader decision set across all those customers. So then companies and customers, brands start saying, well, I, if I'm building the smart hub for marketing, I should also have it influence my DXP for product experiences. I should have it influence my CRM for uh, call-based experiences, like sales-based experiences, right? And it should have an influence my help desk for uh, support-based experiences. And I should have it influence my uh, loyalty program. I should have it influence my merchandising, you know, system and so all of that, right? And I think that that 
leads to a shift where I think you need to be able to uh, architect your stack that way, right? And and I think as that happens, it'll have implications for uh, a lot of brands. Prime, firstly, I think like uh, the, the customer comes first. I mean, so really in this case, as you think with an enterprise customer, they're have they have built their stack, so they will be the first sort of ones to recognize this, and obviously it'll play into the uh, into the uh, solution provider landscape as well, like you mentioned. Um, so I think it does have implications for everyone. I think as you think about that decision, how do you distribute it? There are nuances that you need to address because uh, some of these decisions are just point in time decisions. Like I just sent you a you know notification, right, and that's just one point in time and. I could sequence them in a certain form. Some of them are sort of like windows of time where I'm trying to address, you know, uh, you in a paid media setting over a certain period of time because I just don't know what point in time you'll be actually, you know, on that paid media site and so on. And there could be some live like interactions where you could come to my site or a chat board and say, I, I need an answer or response. And those are also points in time, but they're pulled by you. And I think as you think about all these different applications, they do fit one of these three paradigms. And, uh, but, you know, the smart hub has to be capable of recognizing sort of all these different paradigms and being able to connect to all these different applications to be able to say the way I influence the help desk is different from the way I influence like a, you know, SMS system or or an email system or direct mail system or a, you know, CRM system and so on. And and I think that's where the uh, making sure that, you know, for from a customer point of view, from a brand point of view, um, you know, figuring out that they have the right hub, which can scale to that extent, which can, uh, you know, because oftentimes a brand would deploy it maybe for those marketing automation applications for us, then maybe going to paid media and then maybe going to the broader CX realm. But even as they're choosing it to make sure that they're picking a system which can actually scale to all these different uh, uh, different applications going to be very important, right? And uh, for those other applications, which are in other domains, which are maybe sitting at the center of a sales tech stack, like a CRM or a, a DXP, which is sitting at the you know product experience kind of like stack, uh, it'll be important to kind of like make sure there's interconnectivity with this smart hub CDP. And for smart hub CDP, it'll be important for to be able to interconnect with with those systems as well, right? And and I think that'll have profound implication of how the whole stack will kind of change. Uh, um, you know, and I think you captured some specifics of that pretty well. So I don't think I have much to add there, but I think it's a pretty profound uh, shift in the ecosystem. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, how, how I look at it. Yeah. One of the things that just brought yeah. to mind is, you know, as we, as we think about this landscape, right, you kind of think of horizontally, you know, you start with yeah. data and you finish over here with kind of the, you know, the actual right. execution. But on the data side of the equation, one of the things that's been interesting as we speak to lots of companies is, Everybody is on the hunt to understand the customer better and to give more data, right? And that's true no matter what the right. resource is. And I was just on the phone this morning with a retail technology company that, again, is thinking about if somebody's shopping in a store, can we use optical tracking technologies to tell you which products they have a higher propensity to go look at or they might want to be right. And what's interesting, and I think the time frame here is the big question, right? That's what everybody wants to know. How quickly does this ultimately right. happen? Are we one yeah. year out? Are we five years out? Are we 50 years out? And, you know, who knows? <laughs> is hopefully right oh yeah as you think further and further downstream and the little parts yeah. make up to the bigger part you know for yeah. us as we have conversations everybody is on the hunt for better data granularity everybody's on the hunt for more insight and it'll be interesting to see the evolution of what i consider data to be the commoditized component which is the aggregation of the data but that ultimately right. those actual insights are only ever going to be as good as the data that they're being built off of. And yeah. that data improves both on a quality and a, and a dynamic capability perspective. You end up with a lot of very interesting use cases that feed into the knowledge base. Right. That's I think is really exciting from an evolution perspective that affects the evolution outside of just the MarTech stack and really start <laughs> base level data and then builds into the broader MarTech stack. No, that's exactly right. I think uh, that's exactly right. I think this the full evolution will probably, to your point, I mean, yeah, there's a time frame to it. It might take years. But I think the MarTech, if you were to start as just MarTech, as the, uh, you know, MarTech stack changing without the full multi-functional experience kind of changing. I think the MarTech stack changing is happening now. Okay. Right. I think that time frame is, I would say, right now, I think people are sort of starting to need for a central decision. At least it's, it's starting now. I don't know if it's, gone uh you know the bulk of the market is there yet but i think you know the forward thinking folks are already doing it and we are seeing that in our customer base and i think uh maybe the time frame for that outer circle of like saying how does it extend 
beyond marketing or how does marketing sort of interplay nicely with all these other functions uh, is is maybe you know uh, you know I would definitely not say 20 30 40 years though it's probably two three four five somewhere in that in that time frame but it's in fairly a near near term uh, time frame for that too but I think the if I would say if on the marketing side if you're a brand who's really thinking about building a martech stack and if you're not thinking about it this way today and if you're not thinking about sort of a central decisioning hub that automates all of your orchestrates all of your uh, you know channel applications insights applications conversational applications paid media applications all of that uh, then you're already starting to fall behind just a little bit uh, and i think within 2 years you'll you'll be pretty far behind if you have not thought about it um i think maybe if you're a broader sort of uh, you know cross enterprise sort of uh, figuring out the customer journeys maybe you have a couple more years maybe to figure that out but i think that change is coming very soon too yeah. i could agree more i think this is probably a natural transition or segue to the last set of questions which is around covid-19 yeah. i think as i mentioned earlier covid-19 is doing everybody a favor here and creating kind of this perfect storm of elements where on the entire spectrum from small guys, you know, mom and pop type places that are really simple, not terribly complex, right. all really large enterprise brands that are dealing with, you know, sometimes billions of dollars of budgets. There's been a real increased pressure when all of a sudden there is economic uncertainty involved, whether positive or negative, everybody's going to go chase their budget down, as I mentioned earlier, and want to know, you know, why am I spending this money and how is it coming back? Right, and for folks like Blue Shift, you have great ROI arguments, not a problem. For folks that do not, big problem. And I think what's also going to happen right. is sort of top down, the C-suite is going to push marketers to get more creative. Right, there's going to be a preference towards what can we do here to spend our dollars better, make our dollars go further, and ultimately generate yeah. more ROI. And I think that does really good things for the space, and I think it puts pressure on a variety of players, right? I think as I think about the Adobe's and the Oracle's and the Salesforce yeah. again, as I go have conversations with their core dev teams and we speak to them as strategics, you know, they're telling me you know, we need to figure out how to give the best possible solutions because our large enterprises are being tempted by middle market players who, again, have better or more powerful solutions than we do today. Or we need to figure out how yeah. to. As I speak with middle market providers like yourself, it's all about you know what can we do to take advantage that we think we have on a technology basis and get it out into the market or in CDP specifically, what can we do to acquire customers? And so on both sides, there's push that's going on where uh, you know ultimately suppliers and platforms want to do better, they want to get customers right. really progress. And a lot of the time, they have the technology, it's just not being utilized to maximum by their customers. Right? Often it's a customer lag as opposed to a technology lag. And at the right. same time, from the other angle, all the brands, the customers, the enterprises pushing really hard for more. I want to do more. I want to understand where our money is going. I want to be more efficient. We want to cut out the fat. And that creates, I think, an interesting, profound challenge for agencies and consultancies and others that sometimes live in the middle yeah. of people. And at the same time, all of this is being pushed by the customer, right? And as we think about the customer today, and again, I think COVID-19 throws a bit of a wrench into the equation in the sense that the customer is changing, right? We don't know how quickly or the propensity for a, a consumer to go back into a retail setting, as my example earlier might say. We don't know that today. We know yeah. that we understand more about them, but the customer expectation, both in an online and in an offline setting, is magnified and exponentially growing in the sense that they are, frankly, expecting personalization. They are expecting really uh, well-defined targeting. They're expecting to have interactive experiences that are customized to them. They're expecting yeah. all of these things. And, that expectation is propelling, I think, the broader ecosystem and the broader space to get us closer to that MarTech stack 2.0. But would be curious, given your boots on the ground operator, you know, how has COVID affected you guys? What are you seeing both on you know, the consumer and on the enterprise side? Um, and how do you think about that as an effect on our achievement of MarTech 2.0? Yeah, no, I think it's uh, first of all. I mean, obviously, uh, what's happening with COVID overall is, uh, is is very unfortunate. Obviously, not not talking about Martech. I mean, if we were to take a step back and just talk about impact on people all over the world. I mean, I think there's just a lot of suffering, and and I think uh, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, you know, in general, COVID is a very uh, unfortunate kind of event to have happened, and uh, you know, nobody obviously wishes uh, you know that that we were living in these times. But that being said, I mean, your point is right. I think the side un unintended side effect of COVID, uh, unfortunate as it might be, as an overall uh, you know public health phenomenon and all of that. But the uh, side effect of uh, COVID as it relates to Martech and sort of 
customer experiences and brands, I think is that there is um, uh, a lot of pressure to actually now be uh, now really take that you know core of that customer experience and start delivering that scale to on more of these channels, which the marketing channels, right? So I think the role of the marketing channel has become sort of much much less about sort of like here's like a generic brand message, really about saying you know obviously I'm not even going to the store, but like can you bring the my store to me? on a marketing channel can you bring my bank which is about my uh, recommendations my suggestions like what a relationship manager in a bank branch would have told me saying hey vj based on all this data i have about you based on your you know credit profile and mortgage and credit card stuff i here's what i would suggest to you like obviously i'm not going to the branch so can that come to me like on like a marketing channel right and i think that shift um, has only accelerated right i think it was kind of in the making like i mentioned i think that is accelerated a lot now and like you know everyone's feeling the pressure to say if i'm not doing that i'm behind right if i am not gonna you know if i'm still sort of just sending you these generic messages and if i'm not sort of tying your experience across multiple touch points if i'm not intelligent in every interaction if i'm not actually personalizing every interaction if i'm not uh you know using the right moments to talk to you and just kind of you know targeting all the customers at the same time and i'm actually not saying the right time to talk to daniel when he is perform these kind of interactions when something interesting, some interesting offers come, which is super relevant to him. Like if I'm not doing all of that, then I'm like as a marketer, as a brand, like falling behind, right? And I think that realization has become very stark, as you said, in the time of COVID. And I think we are seeing that in our customer base and sort of all the uh, CMOs that we are talking to are really saying, yes, I mean, it was always a priority, but now it's like a burning priority and <laughs> like we just got to like address it right now so i think that's kind of how i would look at it as the effect of covid i mean obviously uh, you know i'm sure uh, nobody wishes that you know we were living in these times uh, but i think if we were to make the best of these times we have to realize sort of what's happening in the world and like how consumers are changing and how brands need to change and i think the smart cmos are saying okay i got to adapt and i got to accelerate the pace of like uh, the shift in my sort of uh, in how I approach marketing and how I approach sort of like building those experiences. And I think as they think about that, the imperative to have kind of that uh, smart hub at the center of this stack just becomes even more important today than it was before. So, so that's maybe what I would offer, uh, but agree with everything that you said. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Well, BJ, yeah. this, uh, this has been a blast. I certainly appreciate you taking the time again. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this one. And it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you about CDPs and, and MarTech Stack 2.0. Thank you. No, it's like, super exciting. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Enjoyed the discussion and, uh, you know, uh, look forward to helping uh, usher in this marketing uh, Stack 2.0. Uh, so thank you. Terrific. All right, everybody. Thanks, Thanks so much.